Celebrity and secrets don't go together. The bastards will get you in the end. That was George Michael. I guess he was talking about Joe being a Sega fanboy coming into the public light. Watch out, Joe. This is Big Red Potion. By the game reviews and the Unified Gamers Network, you're listening to Big Red Potion, now with added destructible environments. I'm your incontestable host, Sin Ankaba, editorial and features director for TGR, and groggily waking up on the other side of the ocean, he's the man who puts the J into DJ Hero, previews director, Joseph Delia. Joe, uh, are you with us? I am, uh, right now. Give me some time <laughs> to pass out. Uh, please ignore my yawning, people. Uh, it's it's kind of early here, but... I've actually been doing real good. Uh, I actually spent the last week doing exactly what we talked about last Sunday. The opposite, anyway. Um, I played Battlefield 1943 quite a bit online with other people, and I had a <laughs> lot of fun doing it. So um, everything I said last week, just ignore it. Oh, we always do. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we are, we are recording earlier than usual today because uh, I'm proud to say we have guests from this side of the ocean for once on, uh, on the show. Not that I have anything against the... Uh, American guests we have, but it's nice to record a show when I'm awake for once and Joe's asleep, but uh, you know, uh, it's also it's good, uh, you know, British guests just tend to be better anyway. Uh, so uh, that's, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so that does include uh, our first guest, uh, Adam Standing, who's joining us today. Uh, Adam writes for GamePro Family, he runs a core gamer website and his own blog, The Soulful Gamer, but he's also now started writing for the game reviews, so uh, we're very pleased to welcome you on board, Adam. Woo, thank you. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> very good, thank you. I'm very pleased to be here. Oh, excellent. We're very pleased to have you on board. Our, our second guest is arguably not just one of the veterans of UK games podcasting, but maybe one of the major inspirations for the breadth of podcasts that are now emerging in the country. He is the crankiest man in the UK. Is the host of the CrankyGamersUK.net podcast, Julian Tosland, better known as Toz. So, uh, Toz, welcome to Big Red Potion, and how the heck are you? I'm glad to be here. I'm okay. I'm, I'm actually suffering from severe toothache, so if I'm very quiet this weekend, I apologise. Um, I am in severe pain. I have been for about three days, and today can't go fast enough until I get to the dentist tomorrow morning, so uh, apologies right. if I'm a little bit quiet. Well, thank you for battling on and coming on anyway. <laughs> so yeah, you've that. got to battle on. <laughs> Yeah, I've suffered uh, with too fate recently, so uh, I know how to do doing a podcast with it. It's not easy, so uh, thanks for joining us. Um, okay, so this week, Joe, Adam, Toz and I are going to be talking about celebrities of gaming. We have talked about how Hollywood affects gaming before on the show, but we're going to now be talking about the people who make up gaming's Hollywood, who they are, who they should be, how their standing is perceived both within the gaming community and the mainstream audience. So, without further ado, let's jump right into it with a question for our guests, and we'll start with a uh, new TGR boy, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Adam, subjectively, objectively, whatever, uh, who do you view as gaming's celebrities? Well, uh, on a press side, as a game writer, I would tend to go with the giant bomb Jeff Gerstmann as someone who's a gaming personality. It's sort of his sort of insatiable enthusiasm for games that's really brought me into gaming as a whole. And I think before he left GameSpot, controversially, he uh, he still sort of he was still bringing his personality through. 
but that time, since he set up Giant Bomb, I found that sort of that side of games writing has come forward a lot further. Uh, coupled that with sort of podcasting trends and writing trends and bringing personality to the fore, um, he's sort of like a celebrity, I would think, of journalism, which I think is pretty important um, for pushing games writing forward in the future. So, sort of, he's my number one at the moment. It's interesting, Jeff Gersman, because he obviously came into more uh, fame, if you want to call it that, with what happened at GameSpot, with yeah. uh, the whole incident with uh, IDOS and uh, Kane and Lynch, I think it was. And, uh, you know, I'm, I think me and Joey were talking about this uh, off the show uh, and how, you know, maybe he, he was known about possibly before that, but not necessarily the cult figure that he is now within gaming. No, it's definitely true. Um, it's funny how things sort of turn out in the end, and uh, him sort of getting fired in that way really sort of put the spotlight on him and on GameSpot for a little bit, and that's just contributed to his sort of the cult of personality that surrounds him, I think. Absolutely. It's kind of it's interesting now to sort of look at where both sides. You know, he's gone on and done his own thing, but GameSpot's still around, like everyone was proclaiming yeah. the fall of GameSpot, but they're, they're fine. So. No, they're doing very well. I mean, that's a pretty big company, so I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I suspect they will be too. Um, how, about, how about you, Toz? Who do you view as kind of gaming um, celebrities? I think really, it depends on what you perceive as a gaming celebrity. Do you see it as... I think from our point of view, I think we only look towards podcasting for gaming celebrities because it's probably the, the biggest way of the media gets across to us as gamers. Um, it certainly did for me anyway because without podcasting I probably wouldn't you know, be into much as gaming as I am today still at an old age. I am, I am very old, as you all know, um, getting, getting past my sell-by date, but I'm still into gaming just as much as I was. Um, my, my real celebrity, I would have to say, probably as respect more than anything, would be Major Nelson because I think he does carry the torch for a lot of Xbox gamers and to be quite truthful, being in podcasting myself and stuff now, that the amount of abuse that guy takes for one, I think deserves more respect across anything because I just don't know how he puts up with it. I think he does a great job. I, I actually like the guy as well. Um, trying to contact him, though, is a different matter. But celebrities, uh, I agree with Adam as well that um, Gershman, that, uh, I think the controversy helped his popularity as well. Um, but all in all, I think really my celebrity status for gaming goes right across the board to the to the top podcast, really. I think the guys at 1UP, I would class them as celebrities. I would also class Jeff Keighley as one as well at the uh, game trailers. I think he, he comes across well. Um, but what what like I say, what do you perceive as celebrities? Is it just the podcast or do we see that now with a lot of voiceovers in games going to the top movie stars, do we see them as now gaming celebrities? don't really know. That's, that's pretty interesting because, you know, you've gone to someone, obviously you have an affinity with and Major Nelson being, you know, so involved with podcasting yourself and uh, Adam, you know, there's someone uh, working within press, you've, you've looked up to someone uh, who really is kind of maybe a beacon in, in the side of press. I mean, well, I'll, I'll get back to that. We'll just go to Joe first. Joe, who would you say as kind of gaming celebrities? Well, I'll say at E3, the, the, the first guy that I saw that absolutely floored me that I actually couldn't even get up the courage to go talk to because I, I didn't want to bother him was um, Justin McElroy from Joystick because the Joystick podcast was the first one I ever listened to. That's the one that got me into games podcasting. So when I actually saw this guy in person, I was like, I couldn't even move. 
Um, <laughs> but like besides them, and of course Jeff Gertzman and all them. Um, yeah, I also you know, I mean the PR guys from every major company have become something of a celebrity. I mean Peter Moore was absolutely huge when he was doing Xbox, and he's still very huge when he's doing EA. And obviously Reggie is just this force to be reckoned with in the in the gaming world, where fanboys will use him as a weapon in their in their you know, their arguments online. <laughs> um, and of course Jack Tretton and Phil Harrison, especially um, even more so I think than Jack Tretton, was a hell of a showsman at the at the press conferences mm. and. Um, people knew who that guy was and still do. I and mean, that's why when he went to Atari, it was such a big deal. Very and big loss for Sony. Yeah, no, and absolutely. And he hasn't really done much over there, which is a true shame because he's a really great speaker. And, um, yeah, and, like, of course, the obviously the prolific designers out there, um, the Hideo Kojimas and the Shigeru Miyamoto's, those guys are gaming celebrities in their own right. But I, I tend to think that the PR guys are more known than uh, than many of the developers are. I mean that that leads me on coming back to what uh, Toz and Adam said. I mean, I as much as I completely have uh, respect and I look up to people within the press and podcasting scene. You know, I've got down on my list uh, people like uh, Dan Dan Shu at uh, One Up, Kieran Gillen, uh, Lee Alexander, Chris Remo. You know, people from the press side and and the guys who do the Cop Show, which used to be the One Up Show, Ryan and and Matt Chandonet. Like that's one group, and then there's the other group which I. Is the sort of development side, and like you know, like the Peter Mullen news and World Rights and Hideo Kojima's, and you know, I'm surprised that it took us what uh, eight minutes into the show when we just mentioned them. Like, uh, this is kind of re- really the crux of the matter. Is it is it right that these guys, you know, people like uh, say World Rights, who many people look up to as possibly one of the most, maybe the most important mind in gaming, that he's you know so imperceivable really in, in, a ter- in a kind of celebrity light is it possible to even think of him as a celebrity within gaming or is he just a really prolific designer I mean I, I, I actually think that it's also uh, how that they, they come across themselves I mean these like you say you get people like Cliff Blazinski as well he's very forward he likes to promote himself and, and I think he likes to shove himself in the limelight I'm pretty sure there's a thousand others that are just as good at the job that Cliff Blazinski does, but mm. literally stays in the background. You mentioned Phil Harrison as well. I mean, when he went to Atari before that, he was. He was a massive you know, face in the gaming scene. People liked him. I liked him. I think he came across very well. Did it get to a stage for him, do you think, where he'd had enough and he wanted to then go into the background? I think it is how these people perceive themselves more than anything. If they want to come forward, then maybe that's how we take them. Like I say, Will Wright does is very forward. Cliff Blazinski is very forward. I mean, as I say, I think there could be a lot, you know, that don't get the limelight they probably deserve. So I think it's how they push themselves out there. It's a sort of a, a public perception as well of these certain developers, like Will Wright, like Peter Molyneux, uh, Ken Levine, for example. They're very sort of interesting guys to us, um, but they're probably just not as forthright as some of the more major celebrities and you know looking at celebrity across a wider wider range they tend to be people who are off the rails most of the time um and you probably get a lot more coverage of development celebrities if peter molyneux was on the lash all the time or something like that (laughs) um and raising his profile like that but when you've got people who talk have great public speakers um have a lot of interesting things to say then sometimes that doesn't tend to to make them a, a celebrity um, necessarily. Right. I mean, 
you mentioned Cliff Blazink. Um, I can't even say his name. You know, I know you said that we can't say his name is Cliffy B. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> so, because <laughs> I just can't say that surname. So, is it good that we see someone like Cliffy B? You know, he comes on at E3 wielding a chainsaw, and he gets a seven-page piece of coverage in the LA Times. I mean, you know, <laughs> just I, I appreciate that he he's been behind. And I say behind, within quotation marks, some of the important games of modern times. You know, we're looking at Gears of War series and, and, and Unreal Tournament, I guess, to some extent. You know, let's say, comparing it to someone like Shigeru Miyamoto, who I think we all consider as one of the most respected figures in the industry. Do we need to see someone like him coming on at E3, putting a Wiimote to his mouth to try and <laughs> cultivate that kind of, you know, status of public figure? Is that good for gaming? Me maybe not. Maybe they're better left in the background, just getting on and doing their thing. Maybe it would become a distraction for them if they were to be pushed forward like this. But I mean, I I still think they deserve a, a much sort of closer look and deserve their popularity much more than say Cliffy B did um, and does. Because um, I mean, you think of a pecking order of say celebrities like that. I would certainly put Miyamoto and Sakaguchi and maybe even Itagaki above people like Cliffy B. I, but sorry, I was just gonna I was just gonna say I actually think you've hit the nail on the head there with the Miyamoto Wiimotris math scenario as where it was clearly uncomfortable with that. But at the time he maybe thought he had to do that to mm. push himself forward in the media to let's to say raise his celebrity status. Cliff Blazinski comes on the stage all guns blaring, is just made for it. He loves it, you can clearly see he loves it. And and us as the you know as the gaming public probably lap it up. Most people do, um, but like Miyamoto came on stage to do it, and you could clearly see he was uncomfortable. The audience felt uncomfortable, and you could see he was probably out of his depth there a little bit. And I think it's again I go back to how they want to push themselves. He may he, he maybe doesn't need to, and he doesn't need the celebrity status that Cliff Lazinski. I probably say this, but cries out for and. He's even doing it with his new game. He's pushing himself forward for that. For the most part, the, the developers that are just kind of quiet and talk about their game don't really get the coverage. But like, if you look at Jonathan Blow, would we really know who he was if he didn't say all kinds of crazy things right after Braid came out? <laughs> like, I mean, you know, everyone knows that name, but it's because for the last like year he's been saying this weird stuff in interviews and he's been talking like about how great he is and all that stuff. But if he had just made the game and said, "Oh, this is what I was trying to do," this and that, this and that, I think he would have pretty much been out of the media by now, except when they mentioned his new game or whatever, but I think, you know, controversy brings about a certain amount of attention from the media, and then that attention gets you known, and, you know, I mean, would Reggie be known right now if he didn't want to kick ass, take names, and make great games in his first press conference? I, I don't think so. I think he would have been, you know, kind of just it back a little bit, like kind of like the Xbox guys at the conference now, they're kind of just fading to obscurity after the conference goes away. Whereas Reggie just comes out every month and says something awesome, and people love him. Um, I think it's it, that's kind of what gets people the attention, is that the weird controversial things. Cliffy B waving that chainsaw. If he didn't, then who knows if he'd even be around. So, I, think, um, um, I, I think a good judge of it as well, maybe, is probably see how that these people are perceived in the non-gaming arena. Are they known outside of it? You know, is the general public aware of Cliff Blazinski? Maybe not. You know, they might say, who the hell's this guy? Do they know Reggie? Maybe so. And again, it's how they come across. I think a good judge of gaming celebrity would be to see if they are recognised out of the field that they're in, if they're in the mainstream. 
And how many could how many could you say that are recognised outside the gaming fraternity? I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I I'd say they were kind of like three tiers of uh, being well known or having a reputation or being a celebrity within gaming. And I say obviously there's the close knit sort of industry thing. So you know, people like you, uh, us, you know, we'll, we'll know who Reggie Fermi and uh, and uh, Cliff Lazinski. So oh, I got it right. Um, and you know, like <laughs> Pete Hines or whatever. We we recognise those names. Then maybe people who wouldn't necessarily consider themselves enthusiast gamers, but, you know, might tune in for E3 if it's on television or might read an interview in a magazine about like, the game designer. They, they're like, they probably know who Cliffy B and uh, Will Wright is or whatever. But then that third tier of anyone else, you know, <laughs> uh, the guy who maybe buys one game a year or uh, even maybe doesn't buy games generally, plays them maybe when he's around a friend's house, he's not going to know, surely, who... Someone like <laughs> Shigeru Miyamoto is. He's not going to recognise that name, but at the same time, I bet you someone who doesn't watch movies knows who spills, you know, Steven Spielberg is. Mm. How how is Major Nelson persevered in the USA? Is he known out the mainstream of gaming? I've got a feeling that he probably is. I think that um, well, honestly, the Xbox Live Blades. He's on like every single one of them all the time. <laughs> so I think even from that alone, a lot of people do know the guy. Um, but um, I, I know a lot of gamers, both you know, casual and you know, hardcore type people, and I think that m- not that many of the casual know him, but they probably know his face from the website, from the uh, Xbox Live thing. I'm struggling to to think of any particular developer or person in the game space who would be recognised by anyone outside of our fraternity, if you like. Um, I think the only sort of area where that does happen is actually in the games themselves. Um, which I know we're going to go and talk about later, but I, I would think there's a few characters there that would sort of breach the gap between like a gaming fraternity and just ordinary celebrity. Well, certainly. I mean, we'll, like you say, we'll definitely get onto the kind of the, the fictional character side of it. I mean, one name, uh, and I brought him up at the top of the show, who I think would have some credence reputation outside of, of fraternities, Adam Pillett, would be Will Wright, weirdly enough. And it's funny that he's maybe not a celebrity necessarily within gaming in, in that he's not seen as much of a, you know, as Adam put it, he's not about to go on a lash or anything. <laughs> you know, he, he'll, he'll say some interesting stuff at, at things, but uh, we maybe he'll do that once or twice a year and we'll listen to him. But outside of gaming, he's seen as kind of maybe the leading thinker uh, of our medium and the guy who is making the games that sell, you know, The Sims uh, is the biggest selling franchise in gaming, I think, or is it fourth? I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, in any case, you know, he's, he's seen to as the guy who is pushing the the medium forward, and I'm thinking maybe not necessarily by Joe Public, but by the mainstream press. Yeah, and you've also got a character like uh, Richard Garriott, who has sort mm. of left gaming pretty much completely, and gone on some other weird journey. Um, like he was, he married two people in space the other week or something, didn't he? And, uh, <laughs> and then John Carmack as well, um, going off and making rockets that weren't particularly successful, but um, sort of branching out of of, of games and, and going into something different, so maybe sort of transferring their status to another another area, maybe not to the mainstream, but certainly sort of broadening their their exposure. Just to get back to something Joe said earlier about Jonathan Blow, I mean, have we all played Braid here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we all agree it's a, it, one of the best games I thought of last year, at least downloadable. Uh, no, definitely. Right. Um, it's interesting that, say, with Cliff Brzezinski, you know, wielding his chainsaw, that 
I think that that sells Gears of War copies for me. I, I'd imagine that someone sees that and that that just spreads like wildfire. And Gears of War, I, I, I can't really. I, I think Gears of War actually did kind of start to make a name for itself with all Cliff Blazinski's kind of uh, crazy <laughs> stunts at, at press events. And uh, say with Jonathan Blow, I think Braid was doing fine enough without him. So I think it's interesting that with, with a gaming celebrity, I don't think the adage of any coverage is good coverage quite works just yet. I, I think Jonathan Blow actually hurt Braid a lot with the stuff he said. But don't don't you agree that um, Cliff Blazinski doing that is actually preaching to the converted? Because the people he's actually preaching to, in my opinion, would probably be buying Gears of War irrespective of what he's doing. That's that's what I feel. I don't think he needs to do it. I know he's going to do it and he'll continue to do so. But I, I think he's he's not preaching to the people that he needs to do it. You know, the the non gamers. He's only, he's only give, talking to the people that already have probably have played Gears a million times. So I I think he's not really you know, achieving anything as such, but I agree with the Jonathan Blow incident. I, I thought I actually enjoyed it when he came forward because um, it was all to do with the price point of his own game, and he wanted to justify it. I'm actually probably I was one that didn't like Braid. I didn't like it at all, actually. Right. But. I think another example of of say someone stretching over to the infamous side of of person of celebrity uh, could be Dennis Dyack, who kind of went overboard. Sort of a year ago, um, with his opinions, a generous and term for it. I've been very generous. Um, I, I just, I mean, I, I really kind of love the guy. I love the way that he just goes balls out for whatever he thinks is important at that time. And his whole that podcast when he was on One Up, and he essentially Amazing. lectured yeah. the uh, the whole ensemble on on reciprocity and how forums were so bad and, and all that kind of stuff. And he was never really talking about his own game at all. Mm. Um, and to be honest, I'd, I'd probably been living under a rock for about ten years or something because I never actually heard of Too Human. But because of, of him just having this mad fit and, and going on some sort of wacky tour, I actually was encouraged to go and actually get the game simply because Dennis Dyack had something to do with it. So I think there's a certain level of, of infamy which might well pervade itself and means that you get more sales of your product. I don't know how Too Human actually did, but I mean him going on his on his infamous sort of rants really sort of encouraged me to figure out what, what on earth he actually made. Turned out to be rubbish after all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dennis Dyack is a, a really interesting case and point, I think, um, because Too Human actually didn't really do that well. Um, it didn't end up selling. I, I don't know. We this is a whole separate thing. I think we we're going to cover in a future show, Joe. But I believe the information was that it was mostly rented and not really bought, which is kind of sad for that game. But uh, we were also talking uh, this week earlier when uh, when we were planning the show about Dennis Dyke and how really he shouldn't really be in the limelight at all, apart from the fact that he goes out and puts himself there. And you know, he's made one really decent game in Eternal Darkness. And and yet his name is maybe within the like you said our fraternity household because of what he's done. I mean that surely is is misuse of <laughs> of celebrity. I think he's just again it's another case of him just sticking up for his own product though. I think in that point and he was really trying to battle against two human because at, at the point in time one really did give him a, a lot of stick about it and that podcast that Adam just mentioned was one of the greatest things you'll ever listen to and if you've never listened to it you want to try and track it down it's 
a stunning thing to listen to. But again, I think he was just backing his own his own product up. But do you think that he was putting himself out there, and by putting himself out there, he was forcing more attention on his product, which was probably didn't need it, and it was That's, it's kind of a vicious circle. I think that was his plan exactly, absolutely his plan, one hundred percent. And like Adam said, he 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 no intention of getting the game, and on his thing alone, probably didn't. I, I think a lot more would have done because that actual speech and controversy drew massive amounts of press and coverage and uh, I am surprised it didn't do better because I actually uh, enjoyed that game but that's probably me that's the thing I, I, I think that maybe because our, we're such an obsessional medium uh, you know the audience really uh, if you're into gaming you're into the gaming news you're into checking up all the websites every day whatever there isn't really a medium point if, uh, in terms of people who know who someone like Dennis Dyke is so I feel like because we have quite knowledgeable audience today, you know, people who have, and they're quite opinionated too, if Too Human gets bad coverage, that's not good for it. Even if it's, and that's why I'm saying, I don't think we're at a stage yet that we're so mainstream that any coverage is good coverage. Yeah, well, I kind of, I, I suppose I have to, have to agree, and I think maybe I'm more of an exception to that because I wasn't aware of what Too Human was at all. But I had been in development for 10 years and I was just drawn to this bizarre character out of curiosity more than anything else. And I think maybe maybe there is a huge section of people who were really looking forward to Too Human and then once they heard him go on about, about whatever he was going on about, they were just put off entirely by it. I mean, I think it, in a way, it could be good because it does get... I mean, like, for the people who do go to the gaming blogs every day and stuff, it does get that name out there on a regular basis a lot. And he does, you know, obviously... I mean, even though he's saying some crazy things, he does come off as a very intelligent guy. And I don't know who here has played Eternal Darkness, but it is one of the best games of all time. I mean, me alone, I was sold on Two Human the day it was announced because it was from the guy who made Eternal Darkness. And I have a copy still sealed. Um, I haven't actually played it yet, but I, I hear it's going to disappoint me quite a bit. But yeah, I don't know. I think that, you know, like Cliffy B coming out and waving his chainsaw, I mean... The fact of the matter is that kind of activity would probably be picked up by the news um, when they're showing, like, B-roll footage of what happened at E3. So that's kind right. of good for his game, I think, as it gets it out there into more media than it would have if he was just walking out and talking to people. And, um, you know, I think, like, Jonathan Blow saying crazy things, um, even though, even though obviously, Braid made a name for him alone, when his next game comes out, I mean, like, if... If he hadn't said these things, we might not know his name is Jonathan Blow. We know the guy behind Braid, but we might not have known who he was. So when he does come out with a new game, that actually might have helped him a little bit, getting this uh, you know aura around him that what he does next will probably be awesome, and his name is Jonathan Blow. Um, so I don't know if there's it's really that bad for the games itself, but I know it at least does get people's names out there. It does get more attention put onto those games, whether good or bad. And I think people are more likely to try something that they know about you know, from somewhere, even if it's from these, these silly news stories. Do, do you think these people like Cliff Pazinski would act the exact same way if they was in the mainstream press, if they was on the 6 o'clock news every evening to the normal people? Do you think they would tone themselves down, or do you think they just purely are a celebrity for the gaming fraternity? I think the question that kind of leads from that is, would they be taken seriously if they did? Like, say, yeah. Cliff Brzezinski was on, you know, 6 o'clock news wielding a chainsaw. Would that be yeah. good for him or bad for him? <laughs> They'd probably want him locking up after people <laughs> to just get corridor into the usual gaming sections that you see on normal mainstream. True. 
Right. I mean, I, I guess that's what's kind of the sad thing about Cliff Brzezinski, is that he's pandering to, like you say, kind of a core audience who are probably at this stage going to buy Gears of War, whether he does that or not. Yep. And it doesn't, you know, we're trying to t- get this medium taken a bit more seriously, and a game like Gears of War doesn't help, eh? even if it is very good. It's, it's one of the most pandering to the lowest common denominator games you'll ever play. Um, and, I, I, that, you know, that's not a bad thing on its own, on its own, you know, context. But to back it up with your lead developer going around wielding a chainsaw and uh, basically making a total prat of himself, I mean, <laughs> I don't think that is good for gaming in if- any way. If you had to choose, all of you had to choose one gaming, say, messiah that was being allowed to spread the entire gaming message to the mainstream, who would you guys choose to be that person out of all the people you can think of? Oh, that'd be Peter Molyneux easily. Oh, that's a good answer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he'd just spread love and happiness wherever. He might not actually <laughs> deliver it, but he'll, he'll certainly talk it up a lot. So. Oh, he'll yeah. promise it. <laughs> <laughs> He, uh, yeah. he, he probably would be my choice as well. I mean, on the back of that um, Project Natal video, which, you know, he did such a good job with that with, some people were actually convinced that that was, you know, real, that that was going to, that's how it's going to be, which I think, you know, maybe <laughs> let's not get convinced or whatever at this stage. But he did such a good job of, you know, basically doing a PR job. Um, and the fact that he is the guy behind the game as well speaks volumes. And I think they're, you know, I, I just think Cliff Brzezinski, if I... I, I find it hard to believe that he is so important. But even on the PR side, like, I would put Peter Moore in there, too, because that man can sell anything. Like, he's a very entertaining showman. He puts on a show when he's up there on the stage, and you remember what he does at his things, if he's tattooing something on his arm, or if he's just speaking about some great new features in Madden now is what he would be talking about. Like, I think some of the PR guys really have a genuine love for what they do. I think Peter Moore is one of those guys, and I think he would be a very good representative for gaming. Yeah, I agree. He's also more mature as well, isn't he? He's going to come across very, very well if he was going to the mainstream. I mean, this is the thing. Okay, we we are. I think it's a really important point is how will these people be perceived in the mainstream. But another point is, you know, say if it is Reggie Fiorini from uh, Nintendo being out there and uh, people perceiving him as Mister Nintendo. What I'm trying to say is, is it important for game that the people who should get the credit don't get the credit? I think that Sony at this year's press conference proved that you should probably have a speaker up there at all times instead of the actual developers, because when they were showing off the motion wands, those guys looked very nervous. Mm. And they were fumbling around with the with the controllers. They kept making mistakes while they were playing. I think, I think that kind of shows that, yeah, you kind of need that mouth up there talking. You need that mouth to represent things, even though, you know, they will introduce Shiggy and, and all of them as saying, oh, this is the genius behind this. This is the guy who did this. But... At the, at the core, at the heart, I think you need to have that speaker up there doing something strong so that everything is more memorable. And let, sorry, Adam, I was going to say, let's not forget, they are employed for that exact job, and they'll have been picked from a lot of other people, and I'm guessing that the powers that be probably have picked them because they are the best at that job, and that's in exactly what they are there for. They are a PR speaker and best in the field. And I think you're spot on. But this is, let's go back to the point you brought up, Adam, earlier about maybe the real celebrities of gaming being the characters. We talked about uh, PR people, developers, press people, but I I bet you 90% of anybody, uh, general population, knows who Mario is, or Sonic is, or Lara Croft. Uh, is that... Is maybe this is kind of the point. Maybe we're so... Because this is uh, a thing that, you know, debate that's been brought up relating to games awards and uh, uh, the mainstream coverage, but maybe we already have 
the famous figures that gaming needs and we should just be satisfied with them. I mean, is it okay for the, the characters of games and the games themselves to be celebrities? I think, after all, that, that they are the product. They are what, what games are, rather than the people who actually make them. I mean, looking at Mario and Sonic and, and Lara Croft, I wouldn't say that they're the most desirable celebrities to represent gaming, but they might well be the most accurate ones, because they are the most popular and have been in the past. And I'd say that, that Lara Croft is, aside from Mario, was probably the first real gaming celebrity and got into the mainstream news circles as sort of more for a sex appeal, I suppose, than anything else. Um, and I suppose to one-up on Mario, she had two bad movies made for her, <laughs> rather than just the one. Surely isn't it, surely is it, again, aren't we going on the fact that it's it's just good marketing, that Mario has been marketed perfectly throughout the decades, as has Sonic, and again, Lara was perfectly marketed at the right time by the right people and even did get across to mainstream in more ways than one. I think it's just clever marketing. Could have been any one of, of, of a load. I mean, Halo, in question, that's the, one of the newer generation. I, I think it's just clever, you know, clever marketing, again, I do, by the people that are in charge. Yes, they are celebrity gaming celebrities because, after all, they are the game. But I think it's just clever marketing. Well, I mean, I think it changes per game. Like, I mean, um, you know, uh, like obviously for the next Tomb Raider game, Lara should be out there promoting it, and Lara should be the face of it instead of the guy from Crystal Dynamics, just because Lara will get everyone much more attention on that game. Hmm. But like, I mean, um, if it was something like Braid or something, like, I mean, I wouldn't want to see the guy from Braid, you know, being put all over the marketing materials for the next game from Jonathan Blow because you know to get attention towards it or something like that. Or uh, I wouldn't want to see, you know, Marcus Phoenix being, you know, the, the, the promotional factor of the next Gears of War because, I mean, it, obviously Cliffy B does a great job of promoting it. So I think it, it, on a game-by-game basis, like, the characters can speak for themselves and kind of uh, promote a game in a way that would benefit the developers behind the game um, in certain respects, like Lara. But in other ways, um, with other more mature, more you know, story-driven games, for example, one's not based around a specific character. I think it, it, it would be best to have a, a, a voice out there for the game that has nothing to do with the in-game characters. I think that's a very good point. Um, it's interesting the three you've mentioned, Mario, Sonic, and Lara Croft, because they all have had interesting uh, lives. I mean, Mario, like Todd said, has basically been successful since he first appeared on the scene, whereas uh, Sonic, even though the later games have been uh, rubbish to worse than rubbish. Um, <laughs> but they've you know, still marketed him very absolutely. well, though, haven't they? That's the point. He's, he's sold because he, the, the, the cartoons, the figures, whatever. Whereas with Lara Croft, because she hasn't really evolved since day one, uh, Underworld never really sold. Um, it's not just that the game is average. I think she became stagnant as a as a marketing figure, and that's why you've got all these rumours of uh, well, getting a makeover. I mean, what? Just on that note, did you guys see that? Yeah. No. Yes, I did, yeah. I mean, what, what do you guys think? Is that is that good that she's maybe being toned down and being made less sexy, as it were? I really liked Underworld, because um, I like. I thought it was almost... If you took out the combat of that game, uh, I think that would be a, a pretty much a perfect Tomb Raider game for me. I agree. Uh, and seeing... It's not just the image of her being a more slimmed-down, younger figure. Um, it's more... They're turning it to... The rumour is that they're turning it to an open-world survival horror-type game. 
And that, to Fear. me, is not what Tomb Raider is about at all. No, fills me with absolute dread. I am probably the biggest Tomb Raider fan in the world. You'll find I've finished and played every single one. I have no problem with its format as it is, um, purely because I'm a fan, and I think we've all got us favourite genres, but the story... The stories of them turning it into open world scares me to death. I think they should leave it well alone. I think it's got its own cult following there. Um, you know, are, are they again? Are they aiming for the big things that they can't get to? Are they trying to outdo Halo? It's never going to happen now. I think mm. t- for one, Tomb Raider is Tomb Raider again because of how it was marketed back in the day. I hate the fact that they're starting to mess about with it, but you know that's a different subject. But as for marketing, Laura, I think she's fine as she is. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see whether, you know, regardless of the game quality, whether the new Lara sells more. I mean, I, I have no idea. I have no idea what the, how the public would react to her, basically her sex appeal being turned down. That, that for me, is interesting. And I, I tend to agree with you guys that it's probably the game is going to end up being worse for those decisions. But that, like Todd says, that is a completely different point of discussion. Um, we'll close on one thing then, which I touched on earlier. The uh, the talk really was kind of inspired me into coming up with this chat was which is about uh, there ever being an Ac- an Academy Awards style event for gaming, and I think we all uh, watched uh, Spike TV's attempt as a <sighs> event for yeah I can hear the reactions it it, it, it was terrible uh, in my opinion a, a real disaster <laughs> at every level um what did what did you guys think. I think that, like, that's how gaming is viewed by the people who don't game. Like, they view it as this extreme, off-the-wall, crazy, prepubescent, uh, wild party that, you know, needs this topless girls with the name of the game painted on their stomachs to get attention. And, like, that's... I think that's what they think most gamers will want. And, um... And, like, you know, I mean, in reality, gaming has matured quite a bit since then, and it's just... It's stupid to think that that's what we need to make a gaming representative of, you know, what it really is. And I think that, like, that's the attitude that, you know, um, whenever a game is in uh, represented in a movie or TV, it's, you know, the, the 15-year-old kid um, jumping up and down with the controller and stuff. I think that's still the image that many of older people have of gaming, and that's why these stupid shows still exist the way that Don't- they do. Don't you guys think, though, that the BAFTAs are actually starting to address it because they're in the second year, and I thought they did quite well, the BAFTA Gaming Awards. Don't you think they're, they're heading in, in the right direction? Apart from a UK bias, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, um, obviously. It's, at least it's the first step, though, isn't it? The BAFTA in, in the UK is an absolute massive, you know, it's yeah, in, in the film world, it's, it's literally held with great respect. So for me, I, I'm actually amazed that they did take gaming on, and I think that's a really good thing. On that, on that point. Well, there's also the, the Game Developers Conference in the U.S. They have an award ceremony every year that's kind of treated with respect. Um, but even the, even though they're you know, giving awards to the actual developers and not the characters in that one, at this year's show, I think they world debuted the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 trailer or something at this thing, right. which yeah. kind of takes the wind right out of it. I mean, right after, you know, say, Jonathan Blow gets an award, they're showing a trailer up on the screen that everyone in the room doesn't really care about because... You know, they're all luminaries in the industry. But the people at home are like, yeah, Modern Warfare, all right. I think it just kind of, it just, that's the kind of stupid, you know, um, moves that they pull on these things to make, to take the wind out of any respect that that show possibly could have had. I think you need to, you have a show that strikes a balance between being intelligent 
um, and giving awards to the right sort of in the right categories, but also being entertaining. And I think that Spike TV award show just veers straight off into the uh, into the seedier side of, of <laughs> the stereotypical images that you have of what gamers are and what they want. And then you have more sober GDC sort of uh, developer awards, which nobody really, I would say in the mainstream of gaming, in the gaming fraternity, would be that interested in watching. I you just need a balance yeah. there of, uh, of, of collecting all those things together and presenting it in a much more entertaining fashion without it slipping into, into more sort of lads mag kind of presentation style. I think the bottom line of it all, though, I think is going to end up with the fact that we'll never get to that point we want unless it's accepted fully in the mainstream. And I think that is your biggest hurdle of the entire question. Until gaming is persevered as being normal and, you know, not the kind of crazy show you've just spoke of, until it's not persevered as being normal mainstream, I don't think we'll ever get the award show that everybody wants. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. You go, Joe. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think I was going to say what you were going to say. I think it could happen. It's just a matter of, you've got to mean for one thing, and I don't mean to beat this drum, but I'm pretty sure I've done it in most shows, that the gaming industry is now bigger than the movie industry commercially. And that, I think, is the instigator which will lead into, it's, you know, you've got to remember that it's, it's a very young medium at the end of the day. But Movies still... have been around much longer. But the mainstream still doesn't see it as that, though. The mainstream will not accept today that the gaming industry is close, if not ahead of the movie industry. They will not see it. There is still too many ridiculous stories daily in the papers, in the news, and I think that is the biggest hurdle that the gaming industry has got to get over before well, any of all. That would be the power of celebrity, then, really. Yeah, is, exactly. Is the, the movie industry is dominated by the celebrities around it. Uh, whereas the gaming industry just isn't in terms of the mainstream. It's getting uh, better, though. Well, this is the thing. You mean We've got the fitness boom which is and the educational game boom, which has gone some way to make gaming more accepted by the mainstream market. And you're going to ha- eventually get to the point where you have some person who's behind the face of Wii Fit or whatever, um, not Cammy Dunaway, uh, <laughs> who's <laughs> you know, going to lead that charge. And, you know, I think every entertainment medium has gone through this phase in its time i mean and some are still doing it you look and that's that's the worry you wonder where the gaming will go the way of comics say for example which is kind of it's it's close parallel in in entertainment mediums and never really be accepted by the mainstream i think um, i think we're at, at a point now though where we've got the best chance as ever before i think we're right at the point where Gaming is at such a good point where celebrities are wanting to come into voiceover more. There are more and more popular film stars wanting to take part in games now, the the big stars. I think at this current stage, we are at the right point now for it to take the next step forward. Whether it does or not is, is, is another question. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, with all the juvenile antics that go on in our industry, it's still nothing compared to what you see in the Hollywood tabloids of pictures of stupid idiot celebrity going to get coffee. It makes the news on Mm. these websites. Like, I mean, that's the kind of thing that people want to see for some reason. And nothing that happens in gaming is as stupid or as, you know, useless as that. Yeah, that's the stuff that gets coverage. I know that's what people want. They want to see these stupid things. So it's I almost old, don't. Uh, I don't want like gaming to be to that level of celebrity because I don't want to know what you know Cliffy B's doing right now when he's getting lunch. Like I, I think that 
I think that, you know, for <laughs> game, gaming can adapt to the stupid celebrity model that exists now. I think it has to kind of be its own thing. Um, and it's a damn shame that Britney Spears gets more coverage than Will Wright, because Will Wright is a genius, and he should be on every single news report every single night doing something cool. But again, and, I th- sorry, I, I was going to okay. say, again, that is persevered just by the gaming community, and I think, again, you're just, you're just hitting your head against a brick wall. I mean, I agree with you that the gaming should be way out there. It should be accepted by the normal people, as in quotes. But I just think you're hitting your head against a brick wall. It's never going to happen. People are always going to want Britney's no bra t-shirt pictures on front page of the papers. Simple as. They're not going to want to know what Will Wright's making this week. I just think it's it's a hard battle to win, and I, I don't think I'll see it in my lifetime anyway. Well, do you think that, um, let's say, the gaming fraternity just increases as it is at the moment and we get more and more people interested in playing games surely i mean as that grows then the popularity will grow with it but it will stay pretty much the same you'll still have cliffy b jumping on the stage with a chainsaw um happen but it won't be to the you know to the level of of wheelwright snorting a line of coke in, in some <laughs> toilet or something <laughs> that kind of that kind of con- con- now that's an image. Um, <laughs> it won't be to that extreme, but uh, it will just it will stay as things are, but just be a lot bigger and a lot more popular. Don't you see that that happening? You know, in ten or twenty years' time. Well, to, to go on that point, I think Todd actually touched on something really important. I mean, the fact that we have people like uh, in Fallout Three, and I really wish I hadn't brought up those on because I can't remember exactly who it was. Is it Liam Neeson and uh, yeah. Malcolm McDowell? Those are two. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, appearing in those games. It's when that kind of news gets coverage, and you get, and I, I, it's not, it's not how I want it to happen. I just think that's how it will happen. You'll get uh, some uh, newspaper saying so and so is starring in this game. This game has sold this many copies, and that will escalate as gaming gets more and more popular, and those figures get bigger and bigger, and those celebrities appear more and more in games. And you know, the whole thing with Steven Spielberg's Boom Blocks that is. Uh, as much as I hate it for having his name on the cover, that's important for yep. gaming that it's happening. And um, the other guy that turned up for Ubisoft's speech as well, what's, uh, his name escapes James me. Cameron. Another, James Cameron, he's another big one. It's only a good thing. I mean, are they, are they just trying to... Are, are they? I mean, I have no doubt, and this is a good point, I have no doubt Steven Spielberg, with all his millions, is clever enough to see that gaming is now stepping taking a massive step forward because there's no other reason for him to to be pushing his nose in the door as such mm. i mean him giving the story that his granddaughter told him to make a game i do not buy that for <laughs> single second. i think his bank manager might be saying Stephen, have you seen these figures for the gaming industry and um, i mean it's a good thing i mean Two people, James Cameron and Steven Spielberg, are massive. You can't probably get any bigger in the film industry. And I suppose, really, even though it does look bad for us, again, that's the way the gaming community sees it because we we not we don't quite grasp their their kind of thoughts. They're thinking way different to what we do as as regard games. But they're bringing their ideas in. I see it as a good thing. Yes, they come across terrible at the minute. But with their knowledge of the movies and everything, and that's where we want to aim for, we want to get the coverage the movies get. I think them two being in there as the celebrities of the minute, I think it's a great thing. And let them carry on. I mean, it can only bring good, in, I think, in, into the industry, even though they're doing it poorly at the minute. 
Steven Spielberg has actually played Bioshock, and he went on an interview saying how brilliant it was. So I, I, I tend to hope that he really does have a genuine interest and care for gaming because he obviously has good taste. Well, let's and hope the other we thing do. Mm. Yeah. And the other thing I want to say is that uh, I think Jimmy Fallon is actually going to do a lot of really great things for gaming as far as the mainstream goes. I know that, um, I don't know if it's really known over there, but he took over Conan O'Brien's slot as the, the late night shows here, and he's very popular. And almost like once a week or so, he has something gaming going on. He did that Tiger Woods challenge last week where he challenged Tiger Woods to Wii Motion sure. Golf. He That's did. Good. He had um, uh, Kudos not on to show off uh, Project Natala on his show the week after it was announced. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff is great for getting things over in the mainstream. And I could see, but, you know, a lot of interesting things being brought to people's attention via that show. And I think that's going to just continue. I think the ne- whoever succeeds, David Letterman, I guarantee you will have a show, something similar to that on their show as well. Whoever younger, anyone young that gets put in that position will probably do this. And that's, um, that's how we're going to expand. I was going to say, let's not forget as well the biggest one of the lot with Barack and his wee in the White House. I think that, mm. as, as funny as a story that may be, um, we all talk about the next generation, and it's spoken of and in England a lot, where we're still at the generation of politicians where they are simply not with our generation as gamers. When the next generation steps in and the young politicians come in, I know we're stepping onto politics a bit, but it will make a vast difference, especially in the UK, for the tax breaks that they're searching for. Um, and I think Barack, with his wee in the white ass, is a brilliant step. It's funny, it's a funny story, but awesome. Well, I think it's, it's certainly relevant politics because it's all about coverage and celebrity and acceptance, and you know those are all, all tied in together. I mean, I think I think... I will close with three points just from listening to all of what you're saying. Uh, one thing on Steven Spielberg, it's just remembering famously, what was it, uh, 10 years ago after Final Fantasy VII that he said a game will never make anyone cry? Mm. Uh, well, I don't think we're ever going to hear a quote like that from him ever again. Yeah. Uh, the second thing I think, I guess, to kind of summarise what we've all been talking about with Boom Blocks and Steven Spielberg, I think the way I kind of imagine it and worries me is in the future when that game comes out, something similar, how big is Steven Spielberg's name going to be on it next time? You know, and I think that's kind of what worries me about gaming, when it starts to become less about the games and more about the people promoting them. And, you know, I, I kind of like it as it is in some ways. I kind of like that uh, Call of Duty is famous because it's Call of Duty uh, and then no other reason, and that's kind of cool to me. And the last thing, Joe, what you said about the magazines and, and the coverage just made me an image of, of Heat Magazine, which is a very famous magazine here in the UK, and maybe featuring uh, Cliffy B going into a store and buying Killzone 2, shocker. That would be, <laughs> that would be awesome. I, I, I want that future of gaming. Uh, <laughs> so, on that note, guys, it, that was brilliant discussion. I really enjoyed listening to that. Um, so, thank you very much. Uh, before we go, Adam, do you want to tell people not just about your blog, but uh, a couple of the sites that you work for? Oh, yes, sure. Um, well, I also work for gamepeople.co.uk um, mm. as a soulful gamer. That's uh, my section there. But it's also it's about eight or ten other sections there, which is all about niche gaming, um, family gaming, that sort of thing. So uh, check that one out. Um, and I also work for you guys as well. So um, a big shout out for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the game reviews for taking me on um, so that's all very cool yeah yeah and uh, your first two articles are coming out this week aren't they uh, yes they will do yes I better write them then no, <laughs> you <I>. better <laughs> <laughs> but look, for, look out for that uh, TGR yep. fans um, and thank you very much for coming on Adam you're great uh, thank you very much it's been an honour
Fantastic. And uh, Toz, would you like to, I'm sh- sure everyone listening knows about your podcast, but why not tell us about it anyway? They probably do, but as everybody knows, it's at crankygamersuk.net. Um, we've also just started a, a midweek show every two weeks for um, podcast uh, apps and games. So uh, let's say the blog's at crankygamersuk.net. Come and check us out, guys. I, I love the name of your iPod show. Can you just tell people what it is? The Cranky Apple. We ran a competition, and it, <laughs> the winner came out, and it's now called the Cranky Apple. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, thank you very much as well, Charles, for coming on. It was, uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, Joe, uh, before you go back to bed, one closing thought <laughs> for this one. I want to plug your article, which went up for the Game Reviews this week. Uh, I believe it's great trailers. Sorry about the game, then. Something about that, yeah. Uh, which is a really cool article, really fun. You guys oh, check it you. out at thegamereviews.com. Um, I started writing for that video game blog. I put about one post a day. It's a, it's basically a joystick-style news post blog, but they do some entertaining stuff over there, so I encourage people to check it out at thatvideogameblog.com. Um, I put a post type thing on my blog which I think everyone should check out because at the end there is a video of this dude playing rock band and freaking the F out while doing it. It is the most entertaining thing I've ever seen. Um, so check out on my blog to see that video and uh, that's about it. Uh, okay, I'll just throw a shout out to a friend of the show, uh, Jack from the Weeds podcast who is a bit under the weather with a nasty illness and so Jack if you're listening, probably a month late as usual Jack but uh, once you do hear this, uh, I hope that you're feeling better. <laughs> so I hope you're not still feeling ill. Um, so it's bye from all of us. Enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you all next week.